0: You are listening to the Kelly Confidential Podcast with Kelly Wilkes. This is episode 17. Welcome to the Kelly Confidential Show, where we talk negotiation essentials and those crucial conversations empowering extraordinary women. Real women, real issues, let's jump in. Imagine embarking on a holiday without knowing where you're heading. Pretty weird and scary, right? In negotiation, goal setting is that target, that destination. Jane Fonda, the acclaimed actress and a- an activist, once said, It's hard to be anything if you don't know what you're aiming at. These words resonate profoundly in the realm of negotiation. Before engaging in any negotiation, you must define your target, your ultimate goal. And that's what our show is all about today. In the world of negotiation, setting clear goals is like charting a course for success. But how do we embark on this journey effectively? So if you're anything like me, you look to some of the greats and see how they did it. There's one leader in particular I've chosen to reference for today. In a whirlwind of dynamic leadership and game-changing strategies, Jack Welch orchestrated an electrifying transformation that propelled General Electric from a $14 billion powerhouse to an awe-inspiring $410 billion colossus. With the energy of a charging bull, Welch seized the reins in 1981 as the CEO and ignited a seismic shift that forever really altered the corporate landscape. Welch was no ordinary executive. He was a visionary dynamo who understood that complacency was the enemy of progress. Armed with a relentless drive to innovate, he embraced change as a catalyst for growth. He unleashed a torrent of initiatives, sparking a cultural revolution that infused vitality into every facet of GE and for years became quoted material for coursebooks on how to be great business leaders. Openly anti establishment in his views of bureaucracy, Welch believed that a company's strength lay not just in its products, but in its people. He championed a boundaryless culture that tore down silos, supported trial and error exploration, and cross pollination of ideas. With a passion that could light up a city, Welch instituted the concept of differentiation, breathing new life into GE's workforce. He envisioned a company where every employee was ranked by performance and contribution, a philosophy that sowed the seeds of vitality by rewarding the top performers and pushing the underachievers to either rise to the challenge or step aside. Although initially controversial, this approach wasn't just about competition. It was about injecting a sense of urgency and fostering a performance-driven ethos that crackled like lightning through the organization and his industry. And this philosophy set the stage for numerous performance management frameworks that evolved in the years since, including programs like ENPS ratings. But Welch's magnetic influence didn't stop at performance evaluations. He thundered into the realm of corporate strategy, championing a portfolio management approach that birthed new opportunities. With the same vigor he applied to acquisition, Welch was swift and focused in divesting GE of underperforming lackluster businesses, so he basically sold them off, and then redirected those resources into high-growth sectors like finance and media, and then further into other areas of innovation, including um, cutting-edge technologies like medical imaging and jet engines. And whilst Welch was known for his unflinching demand for quality and peak performance, attributes that set GE leagues ahead of its competitors. One of his greatest strengths lie in his belief in creating a culture of learning. How did he do this? He championed an atmosphere where mistakes weren't shunned, were not shunned, but celebrated as stepping stones to success, all of which further contributed to his staff's loyalty tireless and resilient pursuit of innovation and greatness. Welch recognized that progress thrived in an environment that embraced change and curiosity as a constant, a philosophy that illuminated his years as CEO with unparalleled success. So using this Titan as my backdrop today, let's check out three quick but powerful approaches to goal setting and negotiation that Jack himself used to propel GE to heights never before seen. Let's tuck in. Okay, so number one, probably one of the most important for Welch was setting clear and ambitious goals. So often we're taught, especially as women, that ambition is like a four-letter word. We don't say it enough, but we should. So I call this unapologetically ambitious. You don't need permission to be great. So if you have the chops to deliver, don't hold back, right? You won't get the moment again. So push through the self-doubt and go for it. So how did this look for Jack Welch? Well, he saw this first rule of goal setting as simple but potent. It's clarity. He believed that setting crystal clear goals is the foundation of success. And he famously stated, good business leaders create a vision, articulate the vision, passionately own the vision, and relentlessly drive it to completion. Welch's emphasis on vividly articulating goals ensured that everyone in the organization understood and aligned their efforts toward a common objective. How does that translate to your negotiation? Well, whether you're using one of my requirements maps or the back of an envelope, I want you to write down three things you need personally from your negotiation. Notice I didn't say the actual target of your negotiation because remember, it's never about the money. It's about the goal. I want you to focus on what you need personally to achieve in order to deem your deal a success. Write it down. Then next to each, I want you to ask yourself, what aspects of those are ambiguous? Where there's any gray, I want you to write a list of the gray stuff until you can't come up with any more examples of gray. Then one by one, you need to chat it through with yourself or a partner, spouse, maybe a colleague, until you get rid of the gray and you can put a slash through each of those items. Why do we do this? Because it will help you to get absolute clarity on your core items and those that you can trade without diluting your personal goal because you don't want to settle. And by having a viable core and tradables, it will keep you from feeling like you're settling, regardless of where the deal ends up. Okay, now approach number two. I call it set your destination and don't hold back. It's not enough to vaguely desire a favorable outcome. You need to set specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound smart goals. These smart goals are your destination. Sound familiar? Many business leaders have used this framework. It really works. Let's look at an example. So here's the scenario. You're negotiating a contract with a potential business partner. Instead of stating a vague goal like, I want a good deal, define a smart goal, such as, I aim to secure a contract that offers a 15% reduction in production costs, a 10% increase in delivery speed, and is finalized within two months. By defining your destination like this, you'll not only have a clear, unambiguous vision, but also a plan to get there. Looking again to Jack Welch's approach to goal setting, one of his groundbreaking techniques was the rank and yank strategy, which involved differentiating employees and teams based on their performance and contribution to the company's objectives. His goal in this was to have a high-performing self-aware team. He did this by identifying top performers and investing in their growth, while addressing underperformers, thus creating a culture of excellence that propelled GE's success. So you're going to do this with your list of tradables. Again, using the requirements mapping or my mindstorming workbook, which I'll include a link to in the show notes, I want you to write all of these down. Any and all options are worthy of being written down. They're, They're no good sitting in your head. Get them out of your head onto the paper. Then I want you to apply the SMART overlay. Again, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. And then finish with the rank and yank classification like um, Welch did. Go through each and question the reasonableness and the perceived value, perceived value, because that is your worldview, the perceived value of the tradable. Rank them in terms of that value. And then get rid of the bottom third, Repeat it again and repeat it again until you get to a solid list of three to four tradables. And I think you'll be surprised by how rich and creative some of the ideas will be when you get to that list. And finally, on to number three, curiosity in your goal setting. This is approach number three. Welch understood that for goals to be achieved, individuals needed to feel empowered, And so his philosophy on curiosity and continuous learning was well known. And it was woven fully into the GE culture with their pursuit of unabashed learning and adaptation, meaning they were agile. They would learn something, accept the learning and accept the fact that change may be required and they would adapt and then repeat and adapt and repeat. And it was successful as we could see from the market value of the business. He advocated for embracing change and cultivating a culture that valued innovation and agility, and that mindset fueled a company-wide belief system that individuals must be encouraged to explore the environment, speak their mind, and express their ideas. This sense of open curiosity, self-governance, and personal ownership boosted motivation and enabled GE to stay ahead of their competitors in a rapidly evolving business landscape. Sounds good, doesn't it? Don't we all want that? So how does this approach look practically for your negotiation? Well, I've long taught that rapport building and question asking are paramount to understanding the worldview of the other party. Negotiations that don't center on the other person's viewpoint will always end with limited results, always. Sincere curiosity is the fuel in your negotiation. It keeps your outlook supple and less rigid during deal-making, it mitigates against self-fulfilling blind alleys, which can be dangerous when you're working in a tunnel of bias, and it provides opportunities for bridge building and God knows what else it can bring you. It's, it's about, you know, exploring the journey. The killer of curiosity is control. Let me repeat that. The killer of curiosity is control. So don't try so hard. I can hear some of you saying, though, but Kelly, my deal is worth. XXX. And it could mean the end of my business or my career if I don't secure YYY. That's no different though to someone negotiating a major promotion or a family mediating their custody settlement. The value of the deal is all relative in the eyes of the beholder. My point again here is that the more you try to control the narrative and the other person, the less curious you are being and the fewer channels of opportunity you create for yourself and the other person don't believe me try this out the next time your teenager wants to work on a project at a friend's house during a school night and you tell them they can't go because you feel this can be done virtually and that's your well your one and only explanation how does that work out for you curiosity creates options options create tradables tradables create bridges and as a negotiator, bridges are critical. So there could be a benefit in asking questions about the project, perhaps. Is it all a desktop activity or does it need materials? You know, do you need to build something like a, you know, a lava spewing volcano? You know, how does it need to be done? And could it be done from one laptop, etc., Allowing your teenager to help problem solve through this questioning. The Q&A of it helps your teenager, in this case, become part of the solution. Where perhaps you've learned it's all a desktop project, needing only one laptop, you agreed to the arrangement as a trial, and for this first trial week, perhaps you say the meeting can be done at your house. And next week, it can be done from their house, and you go from there. You've asked questions, you've created options, and you've demonstrated willingness All three of these are powerful techniques and they will go a long way in bridging agreement with the other party. Okay, so back to point three in terms of that curiosity. In practical terms, what do you need to do with it? Okay, I want you to go back to your same requirements map with your tradables and I want you to write down what you think their tradables will look like. Yep, you need to do this. Even if you commit to only five minutes, I want you to do this. Why? Because this will open up a bunch of questions, all of which I want you to write down. Again, three to four items tops. Even if you think you know the answer, which you probably do think you know the answer, most people think they know exactly what the other party is, is, you know, negotiating for what the end goal is. In in asking yourself questions about what their tradables would look like, you may surprise yourself. So, take a moment, be humble, write out questions around what you think they could trade. Doing this will be of immense help in going into your deal making with questions ready. And it's a natural diffuser and will keep you in a healthy bargaining mindset. Negotiation is rarely a linear process. It's more like a pretzel where your path is meandering while you adapt and you persist. Or if you prefer a people analogy instead of food, um, can you tell I'm hungry? Um, It's more like a dance where partners move and adjust to each other's rhythms. And so, yes, that brings us to the end. And I I thank Jack Welch for joining us in spirit today and letting us ride the coattails of some of his proven and most successful goal-setting techniques. These, again, were having clear and ambitious goals, number one. Number two was setting your destination and giving it some gas. And number three was getting curious and planning for the pretzel. You know, ask the questions because it will will build the foundations for trade and for bridging. Jack Welch's goal-setting techniques are more than just a framework. They're a legacy that continues to inspire and guide businesses globally. By setting clear goals, establishing a high bar, and promoting curiosity and personal ownership, Welch transformed GE into a powerhouse of success. And as we incorporate these techniques into our own endeavors and our own negotiations, we can hopefully tap into the genius of just a true business luminary, propelling ourselves towards our own version of what great could look like. Thanks for listening today. Stay focused, stay determined, and keep smashing it out there. Hey friends, if you're enjoying my podcast and you want to know more, make sure to join my newsletter about upcoming courses and free webinars and other valuable resources. Also, reviews are really important to my business. So if you like what you hear, please give us a like and leave a review. Even more, share with your friends and family. Take care until next time.